G'day, I'm Nicola Chellis, passionate ocean lover, photographer, and aspiring marine science student. Oh, and one of the co-hosts of the Green Style Podcast. I'm a part of the World Oceans Day Youth Advisory Council with Maha, who you'll hear from very soon. I am also founder of Sea Change Network, an organisation with ambitions to push for legislative changes to protect oceans in Australia and to provide students across Victoria and beyond with the tools and skills needed to create their own social justice and environment groups. So make sure to check it out. And kia ora and hello. My name is Mahafir, I'm 18 years old and I live in New Zealand. I'm a passionate lover of fashion and sustainability and I'm also a part of the World Oceans Day Youth Advisory Council from 2019 to 2021. I am also one of your co-hosts for the Green Style podcast. This podcast is all about introducing you to ethical fashion businesses worldwide and broadening your knowledge about the fashion industry and how we can make it more of a sustainable place. We are so excited for you to be joining us on this journey and can't wait for you to hear the epic people that we have lined up. Thank you for tuning in and catch you on this episode. Welcome back. In this episode, we'll be speaking to Aussie-born founder of Summerside. Gabby Sam Kova is an active soul who has travelled around the world experiencing all walks of life. Through her voyages, an idea stemmed from the need for an all-rounded, versatile and practical towel. Now, I directly quote from the Australian Parliament that Summerside is paving the way for innovation and a more sustainable future. And honestly, I couldn't describe it better than that. In this episode, Gabby and I explore a bit about the issue of microfibers, rubbish, and the recent conundrum of Australia in particular, facing a truckload of issues in terms of recycling and our reliance on exportation of our own rubbish and dumping it literally offshore. A little stat update from the government summary in 2018. A total of 3.4 million tonnes of plastic was consumed in Australia. A total of 320,000 tonnes of plastic was recycled, which is an increase of 10% apparently, from 2016 to 2017. Australia still hasn't got their act together. Now, we are a developed and very privileged country. There is no denying that. However, in having the means and the finance that we do, we could invest in practical and proper waste management systems. As Gabby and I discussed, developing countries not only do not have the finance but do not have the means to remove this waste. How can we possibly expect anything more than dumping their own rubbish into the sea? Now, this episode isn't all doom and gloom, but raises some really interesting points. I sure did feel inspired talking to Gabby, so please enjoy this awesome episode. Summerside towels really are the ultimate towel. My first question is, you were born in Australia, however you travelled for quite some time. What is, um, what is it about travelling um, do you enjoy the most? I think with travelling you get to be out of your, your bubble and your environment and you're, you're more open to other cultures and other experiences which you wouldn't necessarily have 
um, you know, if you just stayed in your comfort zone. So I think a lot of it is personal growth. Um, and yeah, of course you're, I mean, you're usually by yourself, so you can learn different things. And I studied in America for a year. So technically I did my degree. I wasn't really traveling, but I lived abroad. Uh, and then I also, uh, worked overseas in Bali as well for a year and a half. So I've done a fair, <laughs> a fair bit of globe trotting. That's awesome. It would be so beautiful to see all the different, different areas and the different cultures and just experience all that. That's yeah, awesome. it was a lot of fun too. So uh, what was the point in time where you felt you were most connected to our seas and wanted to help out? I think, I mean, I lived on an island, Bali's an island in Indonesia, and I've always loved the water and I've always been um, very outdoorsy. But living in Melbourne, you don't really have much of an opportunity to surf. Um, But I needed a new hobby whilst I was there. So I thought I'd take up surfing. And I think that really connected me more with the ocean. And then, look, Indonesia they've improved a little bit with their single-use plastics, but they're a very poor country and they have a lot of islands. Bali generates the most money, but some islands people don't even go to, like no tourists go to. Um, and I think I think with that, a lot of the plastic ends up in the water and, of course, it flows through to the other islands. So you'll be out there surfing and you'll get a plastic bag caught on your foot or a chip packet. I mean, I've, I've seen and been hit by so much in the water. And I think that was, I was quite a wake up call. Cause I mean, you're not going to go swimming. I wouldn't say in Melbourne, like in the ocean and be hit by that much plastic. It just, I don't think that would happen. Um, Cause we keep it relatively clean, but yeah, I think that was a really big wake up call that, you know, Australia is relatively clean in terms of our, our, we don't throw stuff directly into the ocean, I wouldn't say, but they do. They don't have, they don't have like a proper recycling system. Yeah, the, it's, um, it's a big issue with um, a lot of the developing countries that don't have the, not only like the, the amount of money, but just they don't have the, um, the ways to manage their waste and stuff. So like throwing them into the ocean is really all that can happen. And you can't really blame them for that because that's all they know. That's, that's all that they can possibly do to get rid of that waste. Well, yeah. Yeah. They don't have the infrastructure, but I mean, we sent our rubbish to China as did the U S and Canada. We don't have any infrastructure. We were completely caught off guard at the same time. As soon as China said, sorry, we're not accepting your rubbish. We also don't have the infrastructure in place. We relied on another country, except we could pay for that country to look after our recycling, uh, whereas, yeah, the developing countries can't. I remember that moment. I remember that it was a very scary time when they said, no, we're not taking your recycling anymore, that's it. Um, And it was all just going to landfill here. I was very, like, worried about that. Yeah, we, they didn't know either. I mean, I spoke to um, one of the local MPs about it, you know, more recently. Uh, and I asked, honestly, if we had a plan or if they knew what to do. And 
you know, the whole parliament had no idea. Uh, we just, we rely on China for a lot, not just that, but yeah, unfortunately we weren't, we weren't prepared and I, yeah, a lot of it went to landfill. A lot of it went to Southeast Asia and were dumped in different places. I'm sure a lot of people saw Facebook videos and yeah, it's just unfortunately what happened. Mm. Now, just explaining to our viewers um, just a bit about that. Um, not too long ago, uh, China didn't want to take our recycling anymore because a lot of it was contaminated um, due to us not doing the right things, not putting in the right stuff and just took a lot of processing to get rid of all that and it was kind of just a waste of time. So, uh, yeah, China said we're not taking your recycling anymore and that's about it. So we had to deal with that. Yeah, and, I mean, they, they also made a lot of money. Um, there are a lot of – they have a lot of facilities. They have a lot of recycling centres set up for this um, that, you know, we paid for, US paid for, Canada. So what they had a good infrastructure set up for it, but they also made – they also make money from it. But I think, yeah, you're right. They obviously – they just had enough and their landfill is huge. I mean, their population is massive. Mm. Um, so on your website, uh, you said Summerside was created um, as more as a sustainable product to keep our plastic out of our oceans and forests. Do you mind exploring what you mean when you say uh, plastics in our forests? Sure. So I actually used to be a tour leader in Bali. So that's what I used to do. So I used to take groups around um, and Bali's still pretty lush up in the north. It's not as built up, it's a lot of mountains, a lot of waterfalls. And we used to have to go like to this hike for a waterfall. And, you know, a decent hike, about 45 minute walk uh, to get to the waterfall. And I mean, you can see like a floating Coke can just like floating in the middle of this forest. I actually have no idea how it got there and just, you know, bits of plastic in between trees and, you know, it's almost like when you clean the, when you're meant to clean your room and you throw everything in the closet and try force the door closed, that is almost what I saw, that it was just like pockets even as you drive by amongst the green, you know, lush trees, like pockets of all this plastic that they might have, they burn um, using coconut as well. So, yeah, they also burn it. So I have no doubt that a lot of it was also being burnt. But, yeah, that's what I mean by forest because I've, I've literally seen it, you know, in all these little pockets um, where I would go hiking where you would think that it would be just so untouched, but it's not. That's so crazy. Um, I, I like the analogy that you use, just shove it all in there. It's like a, like a Band-Aid solution sort of thing. And it's oh, almost... Very good at that. Very yeah. good Band-Aid solutions. <laughs> yes. I, I was just about to say, yeah, I think, you know, plastic is an eternal thing almost. It doesn't, it doesn't break down. It only breaks up um, into smaller and more toxic pieces and just putting it off-site, out of mind, is the Band-Aid solution that um, we are really, really doing. And, yeah, I just, it's crazy. The, that yeah. analogy was really great. <laughs> no, I'm, glad, I'm glad you like that. So hopefully the listeners uh, can think of it that way because I feel as though, 
that is really what what we do in the Western world. Um, you know, and not to say Somerset's perfect either. It's just taking a problem that we have right now and trying to come up with a solution. But we have so many problems, you know, then you have microplastics, so you need mm. to consider that. And you know, there's a lot of elements and it everything could be improved um, over time. And also, of course, COVID has put us uh, back with all the single use and saying that you can't use your reusable cups, you know, the waste, I haven't seen the figures yet, but the waste must be absolutely immense. All, all that PPE equipment, um, it's got to go somewhere. So, you know, I'm sure if I flew to Bali right now, I'd find a few gowns floating around and some gloves. And I did hear that um, one of those giant shipping containers or a couple of them did fall into the ocean and washed up on shore with all those really important PPE equipment. So it's just, it's crazy to think what's, what's now in our oceans, what wasn't once. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you mind explaining to our viewers just a little bit more about why plastic pollution is such an issue for our oceans and marine life, specifically microplastics? Yeah, so microplastics... You know, we've created a lot of synthetic materials, um, you know, to to basically better serve us. Uh, You know, synthetics are really good for, say, workout gear. And, you know, we've just created all this different fabric to so we're able to do more things with it, basically. But the issue with synthetics is that you get microplastics and they're really, really small fragments that come out in the wash you know we're talking like a couple of strands possibly but it's going into our system and because it's so small it just it can it doesn't get filtered out and that's the main issue so you'll find that like all these tiny particles of plastic end up in our oceans in fact i've heard it's even rained plastic in colorado i think it was like little blue bits so because they're so small, you can't necessarily see them. But the problem is we still ingest them. You know, the average person ingests about a credit card worth of plastic a week is what they say. And it's a really big issue because we don't really know the effects of us ingesting plastics, let alone, you know, they're microplastics. But animals like turtles, you know, we, we see it accidentally eat a plastic bag and you know, a lot of little micro bits of plastic as well, um, which is obviously very harmful. Yeah, I'm sure we've all seen the, um, the really confronting images of those albatross babies that have been, that have unfortunately passed away just to, due to how much small plastics are in their stomachs. And mic- uh, microfibers are such a huge issue because they're, it's relatively new that's come out with this information. And we don't really have a lot of research about microfibers but um, they can be as small as um, phytoplankton and that how how is an animal going to differentiate that between phytoplankton and uh, microfiber that's possibly getting into their stomach and causing a lot of issues so it's a very confronting issue it is no it definitely is and I mean the solution for it is a bit more complex like even with summer side we recommend to wash with a guppy bag 
uh, you don't need to wash it as often, luckily. But um, yeah, look, there's still there's still an issue. Most of our a lot of our clothes are microfiber. Yeah. What actually makes Summerside sustainable? I think in terms of sustainability, not you know, the idea was to create a product that was useful for people. So it was sort of two elements of the product. One was actually there was a gap in the market for the product to have a nicely designed towel with all the features that was large, that was sand resistant, quick dry, you know, rather than those boring, small, gray, blue microfiber towels. But then there was also the other side of it where all those towels, every single microfiber towel is manufactured plastic. So it's providing like a solution and seeing a gap in the market, but then also wanting to come up with a more sustainable option. And with plastic being such a problem, we can use what we already have produced. Um, We've already produced those bottles and using plastic bottles to turn into our pet or recycled polyester to then turn them into a summerside towel is what, I would consider more sustainable. Whereas obviously using manufactured plastic, you're just, you're just adding to the problem rather than trying to minimize, minimize it as well. And look, if there was no more plastic bottles, then I'd come up, I would use natural materials. So it's just whatever the problem is at the moment, just trying to help out. But with sustainability, you can, I mean, people can make leather from mushroom. You can make fabric from pineapple. There's a, a lot of new innovation going on in the space as well. But if everyone did the same thing, then we wouldn't help. But if everyone just does bits here and there, then like as a collective, we can help. I love that. And we are very, as a human species, we are very ingenious. And sometimes our our smarts maybe get to the better of us, especially with these plastics. Yes, they're convenient, but, you know, they are petroleum oil-based and it's not the greatest thing for us or our environment. But um, I did like what you said there about um, people using their own strengths in their ways and instead of doing all the one thing, finding those little niche things and sticking to it for a better place. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, if every single brand who uses plastic started using recycled plastic that'd be great but of course then we would we would I would say run out which is a good thing but then you just have to change so it's sort of just helping in our own ways is sort of the key that's right so how you mentioned the plastic bottles are used how are they actually used do you mind going through that process with us just to like how how we actually turn the recycled bottle into thread Yes. Yeah, so recycle so the bottles are collected probably some from Australia still to be honest we've sent so much. So my stuff is manufactured in China, um but you've got a couple of plants that also do it. So you've got Reprieve in the US which is very big producer of recycled polyester. Um so we had there are those plants in quite a few areas. So we take the plastic bottles from landfill and they go to sorting facilities. So they're sorted by grade. You know, you have different size bottles, different thickness. So 
Some are cheaper and thinner and some are a bit thicker and better in quality. So it'll be separated by grade. They are washed. The bottle caps are removed. Um, you can use bottle caps for, for other things. So bot bottle caps are removed. They're washed a couple of times. Then they're basically shredded. So almost like a giant blender. So they're shredded up into little pellets and then they're melted down and almost like spaghetti. They're just extruded into fibers, like really fine, fine fibers. And then we also blend them with some uh, nylon just to hold it together. And so that it's still a towel and it isn't water repellent, it's still absorbent. Um, and yeah, that's basically how we do it. So it's still, you know, it could still be better in terms of carbon footprint because that takes quite a bit, but it's a lot less than manufacturing brand new plastic. That's really interesting to actually visualize that process. So thank you for that. Um, the other question I have is what were and are some of the challenges you face being a young person in not only conservation, but as an oceanpreneur, ocean entrepreneur, sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, some challenges well i guess you know sustainability there are, you know you can never have a perfect product and i think it's constantly obviously i care so much about the environment i mean all my free time is spent outside that's what i love and i love animals so you know it is really important to me the sustainability aspect but yeah it's dealing with all all the challenges of you know, being aware of microplastics and, you know, explaining to get a guppy bag and it's, you know, thinking of how to make it more sustainable. So I think it's like one thing is being the product and then also educating, you know, people when people say, oh, but I can get a $20 half the size towel off, I don't know, Amazon. It's sort of explaining that, yeah, but you are then contributing to something that will never it's not good for the environment and it's not going to break down so especially this $20 ones you're going to use it twice for camping you're going to throw it out and it's just going to end up in landfill anyway so it's it's the education um behind it and you know not everyone is so caring of the environment or they're happy to do small bits here and there but to see the whole picture that's a hard one yeah, that's, that's so true. Um, not long ago, yourself and Summerside have been mentioned in the Australian Parliament. Do you mind explaining that to our viewers? Yeah, sure. So Tim Wilson, um, MP, he did a speech on Summerside and myself in Parliament. I actually didn't know about it. I, um, I was featured in the Bayside Leader for... Summerside, the idea, and I guess turns out MPs read the local newspaper. Uh, so he had read the newspaper and obviously did his research into me. It's not that, you know, a good Google will give you plenty of information. Um, and yeah, they obviously thought it was a really good idea, and I spoke to him as well. And, you know, I think, I think being such a young person and coming up with, you know, such a different and unique product that's innovative, you know, it means if I can do it, sort of Australia can do better. And especially Australia, we could do better. 
we should be on the forefront of this, I believe. So, yeah, I think, you know, he said that it was paving the way for innovation and sustainability um, in his speech that Australia can do better. And, of course, they were, they were talking about um, some solutions as well as to how how they can help and, you know, with Parliament they sort of throw ideas here and there and eventually there'll be a decision that comes out of it. But, um, yeah, it was really exciting to be so small uh, but then still be, you know, obviously recognised as well. So it was, it was good for Summerside and it was, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that, you know, people in Parliament, they care. So it's good to see our government actually doing something. I did watch that speech. It was great. And I, I, he mentioned in that speech that you and Summerside is as being resourceful. How can we all be resourceful in our everyday lives? I think everyone can just, you know, focus on what they can do better rather than, you know, the sort of focus on, oh, you should do this and you should do that. I think as long as everyone just sort of makes a, a small conscious effort in themselves to just do, you know, one or two things. Like, for example, if you go on your walk in your local park and you notice some rubbish, pick it up. Obviously, someone didn't do the right thing, but then you can do the right thing. You can pick it up and put it in the bin. I mean, I carry stuff like for 20 minutes on my walk until I get back home or find a bin. So, Small things like that. You're not asking for a plastic straw. If you don't, you don't need. You don't really need a straw. So if there's no alternatives, then say, "No, I'm okay. I don't need the straw." Um, I think, yeah, just doing small bits here and there. I think being resourceful is is more like just using a bit of common sense and putting in just that little bit of effort. And there's so many people on this planet. If everyone just puts in just just a tiny bit more effort, or in one certain area, um, then, you know, we're just, we're going to do better already. It's so cliche, but the small things really do add up. It's, it's so true. Definitely. Do you think all businesses, especially those in fashion, can make the switch to recycle materials and industrial reform? I think they could definitely do a better job in terms of, you know, where they make it, you know, being more ethical and maybe considering the environment. I think especially if they're large, they they have they have the money for it that they can put into research. Because, I mean, if it's not, you know, recycled materials, it might be something more natural, like you've got bamboo, you've got merino wool, and, you know, doing research on different fabrics that that takes money. So I think especially if they're, if they're large um, and being fast fashion as well, they really need to consider uh, just, you know, just to um, do a better job in their manufacturing and how they get rid of their clothes as well. I know H&M um, have also started to consider, you know, recycling their clothes. I mean, if you make it, even if you make it out of cotton, you can recycle it into like a brand new T-shirt. They just need to have those things in place to do it. Um, yeah, it's just being more resourceful and, and thinking about their, their impact as well. 
That's so great. And it also comes down to like having the values and being transparent. Those, those uh, labels, those large labels, especially that are fast fashion and unethical and unsustainable. It's, it's pretty daunting, but you know, I think it comes a time where they need to, you know, lay it all out on the table and be transparent with what's been going on and yeah, just move, move forward into a, a better, a better way of doing things. Oh, and yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, you just constantly, constantly got to keep evolving and thinking about innovative ways. And yeah, that that's key. You just have to keep keep changing. And you're right, you have to be honest. No one has all the answers with sustainability. It's, you don't, you don't have all the answers. Because um, there's always a trade off, you know, you know, it might cost more for for labor or you know, and that puts the price up that consumers don't want to pay. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of factors to consider, but it's just trying to do better. That's right. And uh, one of my last questions is what's the most empowering thing about being the founder of Summerside and the work that you do? I think, um, I think showing that we can, we can do something better and I know it's it's small and I've made you know a towel from recycled plastic bottles you know beach and travel towels but if I'm so small and I can do it then these large organizations can do far more with the resources that they have they could create their own fabric they have that that much and I think that that for me is really important to just sort of show that we can we can do better um yeah, and I think I, I enjoy the challenge of it as well, being, you know, 25. I mean, I have worked in a lot of industries and I have worked corporate and it's, you know, forever a learning experience. And I think that's that's what I enjoy as well. It's just like constantly learning, um, yeah, and improving my skills as well. And I think that's what I really love about Summerside, that we just sort of grow grow together and uh, we'll see where it goes. That's so inspiring. I love that so much. Thank you. I'm glad. Thanks, Nicola. And my last question is, is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners about sustainability, about Summerside, the entrepreneurship as a young person? Yeah, I think if, if you really want to do something and you want to go after it, then go after it. I mean nothing is really impossible like you can you can start small and be scalable and you know set small goals if that's that's what you want to do um you know be resourceful take your time and i think the the hardest thing is to start you know it that's the hardest thing but i think it's it's just starting and then you know you're going to make mistakes on the way that is so fine. You just have to accept that you're going to get some no's, you're going to make mistakes, but you're going to learn in the process. So that would be, you know, one key takeaway. And I guess the other is in terms of helping the environment and being more sustainable. There are so many options to, to help the environment. And it's just even just starting in your own home um, with your family and, you know, also talking to your friends and it only takes small changes for a big change. 
Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of The Green Style. To engage more with our guests and further explore today's topic, you can check out our social medias at n.cholis on Instagram, which is n.tsiolis, and at mahafir on Instagram, which is m-a-h-a-f-i-e-r-r. You can also follow the World Oceans Day social media, which is at World Oceans Day on Instagram and also on Facebook. And you can also sign the 30 times 30 petition to protect our oceans. Thank you for listening today and catch you on the next episode. Music is Happy Rock from Ben Sounds.